welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Dave Albin, born in 1954 in Hollywood, California, was adopted by his aunt and uncle at age five after being raised by a single mother. At 11, his adoptive parents revealed they were not his biological parents, which coincided with their descent into alcoholism. This led, led Dave down a troubled path, starting with alcohol at age 12 and progressing to hard drugs by 14. Eventually, in June 1988, he joined Alcoholics Anonymous to address his addiction. In 1995, Dave eventually attended a seminar with Tony Robbins and was introduced to the personal development industry, ultimately working for Robbins as his firewalk captain for nearly two decades. After retiring from the Anthony Robbins companies in 2014, Dave then founded Firewalk Productions, LLC. Throughout his career, he has organized events for notable organizations such as NASA, Google, and Chick-fil-A, as well as prominent figures like Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins himself. Presently, Dave resides in Ashe County, North Carolina, nestled in the Appalachian Mountains. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lance. Well, that was a mouthful, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you have a heck of a history. And so speaking of the history, I, I, I realize, you know, I sort of already answered my first question, but I got to ask you anyway, in a, in a different way, are you from a family of entrepreneurs? I mean, that's always a, entrepreneurs are special people. So tell me, are you the first, you know, what, what really drove you into that? Yeah, I'm the first. Uh, my dad was military, you know, the father that raised me was military. So he was an officer. And so he, you know, he did not step outside the box at all. I came from the industrial age, get a job, stay there 30 years, 40 years, get your retirement, get out. So my entrepreneurial spirit came really young. My first real entrepreneurial gig was my mother, uh, who adopted me, grew beautiful flowers in the backyard. And so she would uh, help arrange those for me. She would cut them, put the colors together, match them beautifully, put a rubber band around them, cut the ends at an angle, put them in a bucket, put a little bit of seven up in the water. This was the, this was the secret. You cut the flower at an angle, put the seven up and they would double the life of the flower. She'd send me out on the street corner and I started selling them out on the street corner when I was uh, about 10 years old. Very cool. I love that. Uh, that's yeah. a lot like me. Um, I, I, that one of the reasons I had you on is I, I there was multiple things in your bio that that resonated with me. I found my real dad when I was 33, oh. but my first entrepreneurial journey was my grandmother uh, letting me sell, let me pick and sell the choke cherries from her giant choke cherry tree. So, oh, wow. I love uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So tell tell us how did you become the number one firewalk instructor in America, and what is the firewalk? Right. Well, let me start with um, the, what, what is the firewalk? The firewalk itself is an experience where you're literally going to walk on hot coals. It's been around for hundreds of years. Uh, if you research it, you'll find that cultures all around the world have been using it for a whole array of different experiences. Everything from a rite of passage to a graduation to warriors using it before they would go into battle. Uh, they, they would use it to test to see if people were lying. Uh, the Phoenicians, the Polynesians, the Hawaiians, the people of India, the Indo-Europeans, uh, the Native American Indians, all, just to name a few, have been using firewalking. Um, uh, most of those cultures, though, for a rite of passage. 
Tony Robbins, on the other hand, he brought it to the West to use it as a motivational moment, if you will. Um, and, you know, how did I get there? <laughs> well, I jokingly say, Lance, that I took that left-hand turn at Albuquerque, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, 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 I got sober. And right after I got sober in June of 88, I had insomnia. So I was up late one night and I saw an infomercial and there he was, the man himself, mm -hmm. a young Tony Robbins selling a pro his program, Personal Power. And I bought it and they sent it to me. I went through it, came on little white things called cassette tapes, right? Um, and that was the introduction into the personal development industry. So at the, you know, simultaneously, AA and personal development had showed up in my life. Well, seven years later, um, I had a friend of mine who also got into Tony Robbins and said, hey, Tony's coming to town. You, let's go see him. And I agreed. And next thing I know, I'm in a Tony Robbins seminar where there's a firewalk. And I resisted it. I'm like, nope, we're not doing that. I want to go see Tony. You know, I'm, I'm good with that, but I am not going to be doing this firewalk. And so, you know, you get to an event like that, it's 3,500 people. And Tony, you know, he's on stage for 10 hours and prepares you for this firewalk. And then the next thing you know, it's midnight. And all of a sudden, Tony goes, take your shoes off. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, uh -uh. Mm -hmm. I'm not falling for that one. Yeah. But if you don't, right, you got 3,500 people, they're all taking your shoes off. Sure. So I took my shoes off, got out there and got a little help from one of Tony's people. And he got me across that firewalk that night. And, and without a shadow of a doubt, I can say that it was the most exhilarating, one of the most exhilarating moments I'd ever experienced, along with being with 3,500 people who were all feeling and experiencing the same thing. Well, where it got really interesting for me, Lance, was the next day. Like, you know, because it was a four-day event. And Tony does the firewalk on day one that evening. And the next day, it's day two. And so we're all standing in the foyer. We're getting ready to go into the venue. And I'd never seen or witnessed anything like it in my life. To this day, I've never seen anything like it un unless you go to a Tony Robbins seminar. Because that next day, people's, you know, their belief system and their self-worth and their self-confidence and their self-belief had been elevated at such a high level that you just sat back and wondered because people were laughing and they were talking and communicating. People were crying. They were sharing their experience of the night before. So they were communicating humanistically unlike anything I'd ever seen or experienced. I mean, even beyond camaraderie, like in the military or, you know, if you play sports, those kinds of things, firefighters, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. police officers, how they get along in terms of that connectivity. But I'd never seen anything like this in my life. So I was in, I was all in at that point. And what happened was, is one of Tony's trainers, I was talking to him about, you know, it must be really cool to be in this environment on a regular basis. He goes, yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. And he said, you see all these people over here wearing these black and pink shirts? And I said, yeah. He said, those are volunteers. So if you want to get involved when you finish the event, call Robbins Research in San Diego. Tell them you'd like to get an application. They'll send you one. And if they like what they see and hear from you, maybe they'll, they'll choose you. That's exactly what I did. So, um, I got home, I called Robbins, they sent me the application, I filled it out, sent it in. And like a couple of weeks later, Lance, I got a letter in the middle that said, Dave Alvin, congratulations, you've been selected to crew with the Anthony Robbins companies. And so there I was in late 95, uh, you know, hanging out with Tony Robbins. And because my application, it's like five pages, 
they saw that number one, I lived on a farm. So I knew how to use tools. I knew how to run certain pieces of equipment. I obviously knew how to split wood that comes in handy if you're going to work the fire team. And I had a security and a military background. So that also helped because they got me involved with the security details to help take care of some of Tony's celebrities. And so I was a, like a perfect shoe in for all that. Mm-hmm. So I got on the security team. I was on the fire building team. And then in 96, Robin's research offered me a subcontractor's position to help take care of Tony's celebrities and to help out with the firewalk. Um, and then the next thing I know, it's 2003. And um, Robin's offered me the captain's position which meant that I was now in charge of all of Tony Robbins' firewalks globally. Um, And because I homeschooled my kids, uh, Tony actually paid for my family to travel with me on the road. That was in 2003. So in 2005, Tony and I set a world record in London. We firewalked 12,300 people. And, um, you know, it just kept growing from there. Now, I want to disclose something. I say the world record. Guinness Book was not there. Mm. But to my knowledge, that's the biggest firewalk in the history of the planet. And and I don't think anything's ever come anywhere near that uh, unless we're talking about another firewalk from, you know, Tony Robbins. Um, And then in 2014, my life took another turn. I'm driving down the road one day and Google calls me. And they want to know, are you the Dave Alvin that does the firewalks for Tony Robbins? Yes. What can I do for you? They said, well, if you're not under any contractual obligation or non-compete, we'd like to talk to you about hiring you to do a gig for us. And so that, I was pretty taken back at that. It's like, you know, how many people are driving down the road and Google calls you, you know, to do a gig for them. Next thing I know, Lance, I'm in Mountain View doing a, a glass walk for 148 of Google executives. Uh, the the reason we ended up doing a glass walk is they had a graduation going on. They wanted to anchor the experience in on the graduation, and it, it was going to be in the middle of the day. And I don't do firewalks in the middle of the day. I only do them at night. Got to see the color of those coals for safety purposes. So I said, well, you know, we could do a glass walk instead of the firewalk. They went, oh, that's interesting. Tell us about that. And so I did, and they agreed to it. Then I did one the following year. And then, as you said, it just grew organically. I went from Google to NASA to Notre Dame to Virginia Tech to Remax to Chick-fil-A to Microsoft to Heineken to the EO organization. And, you know, you just, you know what I mean? You just never know. Next thing I know, I'm on the Monday morning podcast with Lance. So, you know, you just have to stay open and be available to those situations that come along and present themselves to you. Yeah, well, I have to ask. I'm sure that I'm sure the listeners are wondering themselves: Has anybody ever gotten hurt from the firewalk and or the glasswalk? You know, no. experience. No, you know, um, no, absolutely not. Um, I've Tony and I have walked close to a half a million people. Um, you know, no one's ever been hospitalized. You know, we've never been sued. Now you're walking on coals that are a thousand degrees. Can you get burnt? Yes. Is it bad? No. What's it like? Eh, it's a little blister on your foot, and it's gone the next day or the day after. Um, I can tell you taking your family to the beach and getting them sunburned is a hundred times more dangerous than a firewalk. Now I know it sounds dangerous and it sounds like you could get hurt. I get asked this a lot, but not really because there's three ways to do it. You know, they're safe, safer, and safest. And that's my responsibility. That's where my expertise comes in because my job 
is to create a top 10 experience in someone's life and change the paradigm. Change, you know, you walk across coals, what's the first question you could ask yourself? If I can walk on coals that are a thousand degrees and not burn myself, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. What other lies have I told myself? You know, uh, you know, what is fear really doing to me, right? Uh, fear is, what do they say? It's either forget everything and run or face everything and riot, rise. What we like to say in AA is false images appearing real. Um, and that's really the paradigm, right? Uh, Robin Sharman says, you know, the fears we don't face are become our limits, which is really true. So I've learned that fear's a liar. Now, it's also there to keep you alive so you don't do dumb stuff. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, uh, you know, fear's there to guide us. We just don't want it to become our jailer. And that's, I think that's, and that's why Tony uses it. Tony did his research. He knew that the firewalk experience had been around hundreds of years. He knew that if he could get him, when he gets him through that experience, he's got him. Because the next day when you come in, it's like, okay, I got a whole new way of thinking about life here. And so that's, and that's why his seminars are so powerful. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Thank you for, for unpacking all of that and walking us through the timeline and everything. Sure. Uh, you, you mentioned fear and I, I can't help but ask it since, since 2020 was the year of fear, in my opinion, yeah. right? It really put us in a prison. And so I, I would love to just hear about your perspective on you seeing the masses like most of us did um, who are awake about how it put every, a lot of folks in a prison and, and they're still maybe haven't even come out. I mean, I still see people driving alone, fully masked, triple boosted and all the other nonsense. So just would love your, like, what, how do you cope with it? How have you helped people cope with it? What do you think the lesson is from, from all of that? Well, first thing, when you're presented with something like that, you got to ask yourself something. Is that true? Yeah. Do your research. Don't, you know, trust, but verify. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's was big for me when they started that whole thing off and they told me that hydroxychloroquine was a killing drug i went that's not true that's not even close to being true because anyone that's ever gone to a country where there's malaria guess what they give you hydroxychloroquine and and if you research it, there's never been a death not one millions and millions and millions of doses And that drug's been around for what, 60 years? Mm -hmm. And yet, so why are they telling you that? You know, you gotta gotta step outside this political idea, right? Um, uh, And ask yourself, is that true? So when I realized that wasn't true, I'm like, so how much of this else isn't true? Um, And so for me, it was kind of easy. You know, the whole mass thing was easy. What's it say on the box? The box said it doesn't work. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to believe, you know, you got to, again, it's funny, you know, we were all doing the same thing. We're walking around the grocery store, people wearing masks. I didn't, by the way, I'm just going to go on record saying that. And I watched all these people wearing their mask and they're all touching everything in the grocery store. Then they loaded it all onto the table and then it went through the scanner and the scanner's person is, is touching everything. Right. And I'm like, really, how is that going to work? And the question is, and the answer was, it's not. So again, I think because I've been tuned to ask questions and challenge the status quo that I got to the truth very easily. So, and again, fear works. Look at how, look at how you're right. People are still driving around in cars with masks on. You know, I, I, my heart just goes out to those people. You know, they're, they're, they're never going to live a a life of fulfillment running around the planet scared of anything and everything. It's sad. Yeah. 
from an entrepreneurial standpoint, from a business owner standpoint, guess what that does to your business? It tears you apart. Because if Lance and I go, oh, Lance wore a mask, and well, Dave didn't, or Dave wore a mask, and Lance didn't, and yeah. he got vac- vaccinated, and Dave didn't, you know, so that made it what, arch enemies? No, it doesn't. Just makes us two people that can make decisions on our own. If you want to do that, do it. If you don't, don't. But when you create dissension, now productivity goes down. And any entrepreneur knows if he's got a problem there, how do you fix it? Because if you don't fix it, it, you know, you've got a, an entrepreneur typically or CEO has to answer to their shareholders if they're being traded publicly, of course. Mm-hmm. So their job is to fix it. <laughs> you know, entrepreneurs don't care. We, that's why I've always say, you know, if we took a bunch of guys like you and I, Lance, and entrepreneurs, and we shut down the political system and we took over, we'd have, we'd have everything fixed by Thursday. <laughs> yeah, know? I agree. I agree. <laughs> right? We, 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 we don't have time for, for the bull crap. We, have, no. we, have, we, we are about efficiency moving forward and ultimately serving people through products and services. I think that's the, in the world we live in today where the capitalist, the entrepreneur, you know, the real estate investor, they're all, you know, look, looked at as evil people. It's like, no, these are the people we should be venerating and lifting up and, and praising because they make society happen. They make society Absolutely. work every day. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's why, you know, the political system doesn't work. It's never going to work. How can it? How can those guys hate those guys and those guys hate those guys? And that's what we're supposed, that's the model we're going to live by. Nah, I don't think so. And, you know, again, you just have to, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. You have to question, you have to ask hard questions and get to the core of the answers. Uh, and if you do, I, and I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to that, you know, because the lies were so wide and deep, you know, that they, they're they finally starting to wake up on both sides of the aisle. They go, well, that's not true. That's not true. And that's not true. So why am I listening to them? Why am I trusting them? Why am I putting my family's best interest and, and their future into the hands of these people that have been lying to us? So again, you know, back to entrepreneurs and, and CEOs, you know, what do they do? Because they have a huge responsibility, you know, to keep morale up. And so how do you fix it? Well, the fire will fix it for you. Fire doesn't care, right? Mm -hmm. The the firewalk doesn't care what you believe, other than the intention and the energy that you bring to that firewalk. I've seen this hundreds and hundreds of times where guys run out there and they're going to do the firewalk and they're all macho and they're screaming and yelling and pounding their chest. And they're like screaming at the fire. And I'm like, Oh boy, (laughs) I wouldn't do that if I was you. And you know, they take, they get to like the second or the third step. And the next thing you know, they're jumping off the lane because of that ego. And you know, that that's not the way the Cherokee Indians firewalk. That's not the way the Fahitians do it. That's, not the way, you know, the people of India, uh, it's ceremonial. It's, it's a graduation. I've got a picture on my website I love, and it's a, it's a mother. She looks like she's about 19 years old, something like that. And they did kind of a pit. You know, when we do the firewalk, what we do is uh, we build a big fire. It burns all day. It renders. And then we, we take those coals and we sprinkle it on top of grass sod right maybe three feet wide 18 feet long we sprinkle it on top we pat the pat the coals down and then that's what you walk on well what i'm talking about here in in india this rite of passage they kind of dig a pit Mm -hmm. and and there's and the coals are this thick 
It's not just a couple of little coals sprinkled on grass. They're this thick. And in the middle of that pit, surrounded by her friends and family, wearing all these beautiful pastel colors, it's just gorgeous. She's in the middle wearing those same colored clothing. She's got a flower of some kind in her mouth, and she's carrying two newborns. I mean, they're like, wow. you know, maybe a week old. Mm -hmm. And of course, she can't get out. Once she's in the middle and she can't run, she can't use her arms, and she better not drop that baby. If you drop that baby, that baby's not going to make it because it's in a pit of coals. Sure. And so, you know what I mean? There's always another level of, of life and, and what, what humans can actually do. Anybody that studies a guy like Aaron, Eric Weyenmeyer, anytime I speak, I normally put a picture of Eric on the screen behind me. And I'll talk for 20 minutes while they're looking at a picture. Well, the picture is him. He's standing at the top of Mount Everest. And so I come back and say, how many here know Eric? And typically nobody knows him. And I'll say, well, let me tell you something about this man. He's climbed the seven highest mountains on this planet, seven continents, seven highest mountains. He can mountain bike like you would not believe and put him in a kayak and he can navigate just about any river in the world. In fact, um, uh, at the, at, right after that picture was taken of him on Everest, he did the gorge at, uh, in uh, the Grand Canyon, the Colorado River. Well, here's what's really interesting about Eric. He's blind. Wow. So I show that to people and I go, look, I told you that on purpose. I, I showed you that to mess with your head mm -hmm. because whatever you're telling yourself, you don't think you can do. If a man can climb the seven highest mountains on this planet and he can do it blind, then the, then the real truth question is, what can you do? What lies have you told yourself that have limited you on what you can accomplish in your life? And so, and so I go, look, I told you that man to mess with your head, because the next time that thought enters your head, it says, you can't do this and you can't do that. So you better ask yourself a question. Is that true? Why am I telling myself that? Because playing small, as you know, Lance, you know, you're, you're dialed into this, you know, playing small doesn't serve the planet, doesn't serve you, doesn't serve your family, doesn't serve any, any of us. So step into your great greatness. 100%. And I've always, right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to go back to just two more things here. Uh, you've got so much to share and I re we really appreciate your time here is, uh, so you've been clean of drugs and sober for 35 years. W what exactly happened to, to help you reach out? And then a lot of folks also find God in AA. I uh, would love for you to speak about your spirituality. And, and did you find anything like that in AA? I, I did. Absolutely. Um, the day, the day that I decided to get sober was that was it. Uh, that was threshold for me. I couldn't take it anymore. The pain was too much. It was excruciating. Mm -hmm. uh, physical pain was off the chain. Emotional pain, pretty equal. Spiritual pain, all of it. And so, and, and for me, it was uh, cocaine, heroin, and alcohol. Wow. Now, everything else was thrown in there. Ecstasy, amphetamines, mm -hmm. barbiturates, you know, all of that. But those were the three for me. So they were, you know, they had just, they had crushed me. And so the only way out, I thought that day was to put a bullet in my head. Well, I was married to a woman who had three kids. They were my stepkids. And I remember thinking, dude, you can't do that. You can't do that to those kids. They don't yeah. deserve that. They deserve better. So I wrestled with that for a long time because I knew that if I pulled the trigger, the pain would go away. I knew it was over. Um, and then, you know, when you do that, when somebody takes their own life, you kill everybody around you as well. 
So it's really a self-centered act. And I get it that there's a lot of pain and, and there's, you know, there's depression and all these kinds of things, but, you know, hang in there, get some help because there's always somebody that's willing to talk to you about it. Who's gone through something similar. And that's what I did. So I decided I was going to pull the trigger. And the next thing I know, Lance, I, the thought was call AA. Well, you know what's interesting about that? I had no idea who AA was. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know anybody. I'd never been to a meeting. I didn't know who Alcoholics Anonymous was. Yet there was the thought. So I made the phone call. And once I got there, I went to an all-men's group, and they just embraced me. Mm -hmm. They knew. I talked about the suicide that morning, and they knew this kid was sick. Yep. And they just, they just grabbed a hold of me and held on. You know, they gave me a big book of AA. They all wrote their names and their telephone numbers. And they said at the bottom, before you take that first drink, call one of us. They gave me a living sober book. And I started reading. I started studying. And for the first time in my life, I felt at home. And so, and literally, I went to my, when I went to AA my first day, I went to four meetings. I went to a 12.30, a 4.30, a 6.30, and an 8.30. And, and the next morning when I, you know, after being home that night and I'd taken a drink for 24 hours, my phone rang at 8 o'clock. In the morning, it was, it was a buddy in AA. Uh, um, and, and he said, hey, you know, because he heard where I lived and he lived close by and he got my number and he called me and he said, come on, man, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to take you to breakfast. We're going to some meeting today. And that's just how the, that's just how it started for me. And so I was all in, total immersion. And uh, yeah, coming up in two days, right? On June 8th, coming here, you know, Thursday, I'll have 35 years. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah, yeah wonderful. Yeah. What, what do you think the biggest thing that you took away from Tony Robbins was? I mean, I mean, can, can, you, can, you, can you boil it down to a single phrase or, or moment where I mean, it just lives with you every day? Well, when, there's, when proximity is everything. Um, you know, we are who we spend time with, period. Uh, and you better, you better be really picky about who you spend time with. Yeah. I say all the time, love your family, but choose your friends and choose wisely because you will become who you spend time with. So having, it, so being in Tony's world, I, I, you know, I, that, that was a big part of my life still is to this day. I think one of the biggest things, you know, there's so many things I've learned from Tony is like, why don't we get what we want in life? Well, the reason is if you break it down, if there's a story we tell ourselves why or why we can't have it. And so the, is that story true? How quickly can you change your life in a heartbeat? Change your story. Tell yourself the truth. Proximity, everything. And then probably on top of that, patterns. Everything that we do in life is a pattern. And it's based on our experiences. Everything that happens to us, we create a story around it. And we either embellish it or we make it more or less than it should be. Just keep it real. Keep it in the middle. Because life is never as good as it seems. Life is never as bad as it seems. Reality is somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. Stay there. And, and so, you know, once you can understand patterns and how they work and how you can interrupt them and change, that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And that's really probably one of the top distinctions that TR teaches is those patterns. Because if you go to one of his events, you're going to see that constantly. That's all he does is interrupt patterns and break those patterns so new belief systems can can come in and we can start to realize that, oh, wow, that's not true. Oh, I should be doing it this way. Um, and that's really been the sweet spot for me. And I think thousands and thousands, if not millions of people that have gotten involved with Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar or Norman Vincent Peale or, you know, Gay Hendricks or, or you know, Napoleon Hill, any of these men and women that are out there teaching 
and uh, as sages in the personal development industry, they're all really, really close in what they teach and patterns. They all talk about those. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to David Goggins lately, but uh, oh, yeah. powerful Tony Robbins can't, can't forget the, <laughs> the OG of the, of the, of the movement for sure. Um, we're running up on the half hour here, Dave, and I've got yeah. two questions that I ask everybody as we as we close out. Sure. First one is, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice you'd give your former self? Um, you know, stay, keep your foot on the pedal, man. Um, 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 I think one of the consistency is everything. Yeah. Consistency makes up for skill. It makes up for knowledge. It makes up for wisdom. Um, because it's really the key in all things. It's, it's the key to your health. It's the key to your physical body. It's a key to entrepreneurship. It's the key to business. Um, you know, anybody that's consistent uh, can probably beat out just about anybody else. Uh, you know, it's like Goggins. Look at him. He's just as consistent as all get out, right? I love that story when he was out there running and and he was told that he wasn't going to be able to do certain things or finish that that run. And then and he was out there talking to himself. And they go, who's he talking to? And they go, there's nobody out here. <laughs> it's just him. And yeah. he was just, you know, he's just yakking it up, man, to, you know, you don't know me. I'm going to, you know, it's just like, I just love that. Uh, I love that fortitude. Um, I think the other part to that, you know, is, is stop looking for heroes and just mm. be one. Mm. Uh, your, your family, you know, really, really depends on that. Powerful, powerful stuff, Dave. If people want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow you, if they want to try a Firewalk and Firewalk Adventures, where can they find it, follow you? Uh, firewalkadventures.com. Um, at the, at the, at the uh, suggestion of one of my uh, really well-known friends, mentors, pretty famous guy, uh, he, he told me, he said, Albie, hey, man, you need to start uh, leveraging yourself. So create the Dave Alvin Firewalk Academy. He said, because there's a lot of people out there that will come to you, you teach them what you know, and they can go back in their respective businesses and do it on their own. You know, you've got life coaches, you've got uh, mentors, you got a whole, you know, you got CEOs, you got companies HR will send. So we've got the Academy coming up in, in October. And uh, we do it up here in the Appalachian Mountains where I live. It's a spectacular place. I'm going to rock your world. So if you go to uh, firewalkadventures.com in the top left corner, it says the Dave Alvin Firewalk Academy. Uh, you can click on that, watch the videos. If it resonates with you, we'll set up a discovery call. I will coach you appropriately. If I don't think it's for you, I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, we limit it to 10 people. So it's very wow. intimate. And then, uh, and, and for watching your podcast here today, um, uh, Lance, if anybody, um, uh, wants to consider it, I'm going to give you guys a code for that, uh, for watching Lance's podcast at 6828. And we'll give you a really nice discount for watching uh, Lance's podcast today. Beautiful. Dave, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate your insight. We wish you, you and Firewalk Adventures nothing but the best. Thanks again for being a guest on the show. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk later.